You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. We've been talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We started last week. We're going to talk about it again this week. And so if you'll listen really fast, we may get through this message today. Amen? Go with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. We've used this as our key scripture for this message about the gospel. And it says here in Matthew 4, And Jesus went about all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Father, we thank you, for your gospel is truly good news. We thank you, Lord, that the gospel is a message not only of salvation, but it's a message of hope. It's a message of healing. It's a message of prosperity. It's a message of sanctification. It's a message of joy. And we'll be sure to open up your word, Holy Spirit, so that you can bring revelation to us. That we not only will be hearers of the gospel, but we will be ministers of the gospel. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to have Amber bring up the slides so that we can talk about this word in the English. It's gospel. Evangelion in the Greek. This is how it's phonetically spelled out. You can see the Greek, Strong's Greek number, if you ever want to go and learn more about what it means, what this word gospel means. But literally, the, the root of the word, or the beginning of the word, meant a reward for good tidings. Later, reward was dropped, and in the Greek, it just stood for the good news. It's the equivalent of the word in English, evangel, where we get the word evangelist evangelize. That's why an evangelist is one who goes around telling about the great things that Jesus did, the good news of the gospel. That's where we get that from, evangelion. It not only is good news, but it's news that is too good to be humanly possible. I mean, what human could have ever saved man from their sinful nature? None. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness was compared to filthy rags. So the good news that's too good to be true, humanly possible, to be humanly possible is that Jesus was able to save us from our sinful nature and make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's just review a little bit about what the message of the good news speaks to. The message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to power. It speaks to authority to heal, salvation, deliverance, protection, preservation, rescuing, recovery, healing, health, safety. It means to do well, to be made whole, and it has a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That is good news. And we covered that last week, this good news, the body of this good news. It is something to get excited about and want to tell somebody about. I mean, this isn't like telling somebody who won the, the, the Super Bowl or the World Series. I remember when I was a kid, I was in, really into sports, you know, and those kind of things. I get excited. Grandma, Grandma, guess what the score of the game was, you know. But, but you know what? That, that doesn't even compare to the good news 
the things that we have to tell people about Jesus Christ, what he did for us, and what he has made us to become. Amen? So the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's news so good that it's beyond human ability. Jesus declared in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2, of himself. He declared of himself from the book of Isaiah. Now go with me over to Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and uh, 19. I want to read it from the New Testament. I want to I read the words that Luke recorded that Jesus said. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the gospel. Jesus said, he sent me to preach the gospel. And then he goes on to declare what the gospel was. He was sent to preach. And why did he do this? Because the Spirit of the Lord had anointed him. Anybody here been anointed by the Spirit of the Lord? You're born again. You ought to be a hand raiser. Amen? You have been anointed by the Lord. Hallelujah. There's two parts of Revelation here. Let's look at the the first one. See, the first part is Jesus said said this of himself for the benefit of all mankind. Jesus desires that all men get saved and come to the knowledge of truth. He desired that everybody would be healed. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the wicked one. He anointed his disciples, sent them out, gave them authority to cure diseases, to cast out demons. See, so Jesus speaks this first of himself and the benefit for mankind. The benefit that I received. October 18th, 1980. I received this benefit. Jesus spoke this of himself. But secondly, Jesus said this of you and me for the benefit of mankind. Because Jesus has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed you to heal the brokenhearted. He's anointed you to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He has anointed you to set at liberty those who are oppressed and for you to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And it doesn't matter whether you got born again today or you've been saved for 60 years. Jesus has anointed you for this world. He didn't anoint you so you would just barely squeak by into heaven. That is not why he got you saved and made it available. He didn't go to the cross just so you could squeak your way into heaven. He went to the cross so that you could experience all the benefits of heaven here on earth. This is just a trial run, folks. This is the period of getting ready to get ready. And Jesus made it available for all mankind. It's his desire that the whole world be saved. And you know what? That is just flat-out good news. With a capital G and a capital N, that is just good news. Too good to be humanly possible. So let me ask you again today these questions. What about the gospel drew you? What about the gospel drew you? 
Why did you want to come into the kingdom? This kingdom. Secondly, what about the gospel has kept you? There's got to be some reason you're still here today. There's got to be some reason you're still tuned in today. What about the gospel has kept you? You know, what kept me when I was in the Catholic Church was the fear that God would, would slay me, that he would knock me out, that he'd kick me out. But man, that, it has not been that way. I am so pressed in. I'm literally shaken together into this gospel. I'm as in as you can get. As a young businessman, when I got into the gospel, and I found out that all the principles that people have been trying to teach me about business could be found right in here. Brother Norval Hayes, I started just eating up his teachings and found out it was okay to be a businessman. It was okay. God loved businessmen. And then I found out that Jesus called businessmen. Jesus didn't go and just call school teachers and look for guys holding up cardboard signs. No, he went, he went down to the fishing docks and, and, and called the guys who owned the fishing vessels and the, and the fishing businesses. And he called the people that owned the tax collecting businesses. And, and you know, Jesus went out and got those who could fund the ministry. And I found out that I could be a ministry funder. And that God would reward me for it. Wow. What has kept you in the gospel? What vision has the gospel left with you? What vision do you have for your tomorrow for the gospel? What is your plan to share this gospel with somebody? What is your plan to make a life for you or your children or your children's children for, for and with this gospel? Those are questions we, I think we all have to ask ourselves. They help clarify our life's mission. Now go with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 6. And here it says that they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. You know what I've noticed? That healing and the gospel go together like peanut butter and jelly. Where the gospel message is, healing shows up. I mean, we heard Dr. Mark Sherwood just say, you know, as believers, we should be walking in divine health. And you've heard me say many times that, that, that the first thing we should do is we should be well by faith. Our faith should make us well. Laying on of hands is a second way that we can be healed. But it's not the best way. It's not God's preference way. We're made and designed to walk in divine hell. Jesus paid the price for us. He bore my sin and my sickness on the tree, and by his stripes I am healed. Thank God for laying on the hands. Amen? And thank God for the working of miracles. I mean, it's awesome when the Holy Spirit shows up. But as believers... The Holy Spirit should be showing up when we enter a room and performing miracles. That's why I say the gospel and healing go together like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, you just can't separate the two. Not and have a good sandwich. Amen. 
So why then don't we live in a utopia since the gospel came? The gospel has provided so much, you would think that this world would be a utopia. And you know what? In America, compared to much of the world, it is. For those of you who have not traveled to the inner cities of, of Southeast Asia and parts of Africa and Eastern Europe and haven't seen the poverty and, and the depredation and, and gone to countries, Muslim countries, where you know, women still have no rights and are still chattel, still are property, and when there is no justice, this world is not a utopia. You would think since the gospel came that people would have just said, wow, what, a, what an incredible way to live. This would be great for all people. But no, the lust of other things, greed, the seduction of power. I mean, that's what you find in socialistic, communistic, Marxist, totalitarian countries. People who need authoritarian power so that they can reign over others and and suck, literally suck the life sources out of people. In Hebrews 4.2, it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard, it didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, the gospel doesn't profit those who live according to the flesh. Because it wasn't designed for them. But to those who live by faith, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. I want you to think about America right now. The reason why we are experiencing the blessings that we have in America, with all the problems that it has, there is still no country that can compare itself to America in its willingness to be benevolent, in its willingness to be um, judicial, to provide justice, in its ability to provide freedom. There's no country like that. What has set us apart is the fact that this country was established upon principles that you can find here on, on, on the Judeo-Christian principles. Why is Israel very similar? Because theirs is based upon the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It's based upon the law. And it has provision where God has provided for mankind. And when you operate according to sound principle, godly principle, it overflows. And America right now is living in the overflow. We have somebody who right now is in the presidential office who supported a party that removed God from it. That's not what's bringing the blessing upon these United States. We are living in the overflow. And as long as the church is here, and as long as we are able to stand in the gap, as long as we're able to intercede, as long as we're able to, to bring the principles of Christ, and this country will continue to flourish. Many people don't know, especially young people, they don't know. They think about, you know, when you think about this, these, the laws regarding murder and, and theft and stuff, you know, and, and the punishments and those things, these things are rooted and grounded our lifestyle is rooted and grounded in the Bible. They just think that these 
came out of thin air and men thought these would be good principles and they were and they're, they're secular and now they're godly. They're godly principles and they can be traced back, their roots, to the Bible. But those who live by faith, this gospel is the power of God. In Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of this gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. That means it's available for everybody. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. We are all created equal in God, and this gospel equally works and was designed for us. This gospel is literally the favor of God upon us. Mankind. In Psalms 5.12, it says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. That means those who are in a right standing with God. You will bless them with favor. You will surround them with a shield. You know that? You're surrounded with a shield of favor? That's how you were designed. Surrounded with a shield of favor. If you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus... To understand favor, we must also understand grace. The grace of God from which his favor flows. Go with me over to Ephesians 2.8. Ephesians 2.8. Here it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourself, it is a gift of God. It's not by works, lest anyone should boast. See, we are his workmanship that was created in Christ Jesus. See, God's act of grace and your activation by faith brought you into a relationship with God. You are saved by grace through faith. God provided the grace, you activated your faith. And when the two connected, you asked Jesus to come into your heart. You believed that he was your Savior. You confessed it with your mouth. This word grace, Amber, if you want to bring that up, this word grace is the word keros. It literally means, it literally means favor. It's the indication that favor on the part of the giver. Now, who's the giver? God. Favor on the part of God, the giver. Thanks on the part of the receiver. That's us. We're thankful because God's grace provided favor like a shield and it's been rendered acceptable why that means that the good things flow from it when you have the favor of god working on your behalf it's acceptable amen here's a practical definition of the grace of god it's the unmerited favor of god you didn't earn it you didn't merit it the grace of god by which you were saved was unmerited favor of God towards you. But that's good news. That's good news. That's, so, that's news that's so good, it can't be humanly possible. I didn't deserve it, and yet I got it. So the effects of favor. In fact, let's, let's look at six effects of favor. The first is people do for you what they other, otherwise would not. Okay, let me give you an example. Israel, when it departed Egypt with all the wealth, you can find that in Exodus 
That was God's favor upon them. I mean, here you got a Pharaoh that, that is so mad at Moses and wants to go ahead and let him go out and worship God, really wants to kick him out because he's tired of all these plagues, that they don't only get to go out into the desert to worship God, they take all the wealth with them. They're loaded down with gold, they're loaded down with silver, they're loaded down with linen. People do for you what they otherwise would not. This is when you get a job over someone more qualified because the favor of God's on you. You get a better place in line, you get a better parking spot. It's the favor of God. You get the house or you get the car, even though your offer was lower. The favor of God. You say, well, pastor, that doesn't happen. It's not going to happen for you. You keep talking like that. Happens for me all the time. Let me give you an example. Many years ago, I uh, bought a software company. We bought out a software company, and we had worked out a, the terms of the agreement through a word of knowledge that came to my wife. Um, we made some preparation. But here's how the unmerited favor of God works when people do something for you they wouldn't do for somebody else. Because of their actions, we called them out, and you know what they did? They walked away from the transaction and left us with the business. We got the business for free. Now, how many like to pay free for businesses? That's the unmerited favor of God. Well, that doesn't happen for me, Pastor. You keep talking like that, it won't. But it happens for me all the time. Number two, checks in the mail. What do you mean, checks in the mail? Hey, the ravens delivered Elijah food. First Kings 17.6. By airmail. Raven Express. Long before Federal Express. Raven Express. Checks in the mail. It's things that happen unexpectedly and come to you unexpectedly in the mail. Get delivered to you. I mean, we've heard the testimonies of people. Somebody just sent me a check. Let me give you an example. Here a while back, I went to my mailbox. And I got there, and, and they gave me the mail, and they gave me this big box. And I looked at it, and I go, well, we don't order this kind of products. This can't be ours. And they went and checked. And they said, no, that, it's yours. I was like, okay, well, maybe my wife ordered it. You know, I mean, so I take it home. My wife goes, what's this box? I said, well, it must be something you ordered. She goes, I didn't order this. Now, I had already, before I left the store, I said, you want to check and make sure this art? They said, yeah, it's yours. So we said, okay. If, when I left, I said, if it's not ours, if somebody comes in looking for this, you know, let us know. My wife said, no, it's not ours. And our kids sometimes still have mail delivered to our common mailing address. Not theirs. So we leave it sitting there, sit there for a couple weeks. It's just sitting there. This box of valuable stuff. Oh, no, that's not true. My wife said, no, this isn't ours. I actually took it back to the mail location, and I said, this definitely is not ours. We don't know whose it is. Why don't you guys take it and find out whose it is? And then I went back in the store a few days ago, and they gave it back to me. They said, it's yours. So I took it home. It sat there for a couple weeks. Nobody called for it. Nobody said they were missing it. It was ours. So guess what? We opened it. 
It had hundreds of dollars worth of products in it. All stuff we could use. Praise the Lord. Checks in the mail. Well, pastor, I don't get checks in the mail. You keep talking like that and you won't. Happens to me all the time. Refunds and returns, number three. Refunds and returns of what belongs to you. This is Isaiah 45, 3. I love this scripture. I will give you the hidden riches of secret places, that they will know that I am the Lord who called you by name, and I am the God of all. I love those kind of hidden riches, the secret places. Refunds and returns, hidden riches. So this is where somebody who's taken something from you or got something from you returns something to you. That's always nice when something shows up. You know, the neighbor borrowed, you know, the tool, and, and maybe they moved and forgot to return you the tool, and then all of a sudden one day a package shows up and your tool's in there. Let me give you an example. I had done some consulting work. We used to have a consulting company, and, so, and I did some consulting work for a company, and they, they, were having, they were on their way of going out of business, and I knew that, so there's risk when doing this, because I was trying to help them. I was trying to help them do their transition, make sure that everything was legal, they didn't have any problem with the IRS, all the rest of the stuff. And I did a bunch of work, work that would have been worth thousands of dollars. Well, they went out of business. They liquidated. The assets were gone. Everything was gone. And one day I get a phone call. Hey, you know, you did some work for us. We feel like we owe you some money. Uh, can we send you some money? I said, sure, why not? <laughs> and then they gave me an amount. And I said, well, you know, a better amount would be this, which was much higher. And they said, okay. And they sent me a check. Hallelujah. Refunds and returns. Yes. Pastor, that doesn't happen to me. If you keep talking like that, it won't. It happens to me all the time. Yes. Number three, refunds and returns. Now, note these next three that we're going to talk about. Not only should we be hunting you down, but as believers, we should be affecting others with these in their lives. Okay, so the next three we're going to talk about. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous soul will be made fat. A generous soul will be made rich. Depends on what translation you, you like. I don't want to be any fatter. I can't even get into my slacks as it is. got to wear blue jeans. Okay, so I'll take the riches. Amen? The generous soul will be made rich. By watering others, he will also water himself. I live by this principle. I've had people ask me, well, you know, you can get that, you know, why don't you go over here? You can buy that thing cheaper at this place. Well, no, I'd rather go over here to this local store and, and, and water this local owner and pay a little bit more money. Well, that costs you more. No, you don't understand the, the principles of God. It doesn't cost me more. It benefits me more. Because by watering others, I water myself. I, have a, I had a dry cleaner that I used for probably about five or six years. And I used to always get their coupons in the mail, these discounts, you know, so I could get my dry clean discount. And they asked me one day, why don't you ever bring in coupons? I said, because I want you to have full price. Because I want to bless you. Why? Because by watering others, I water myself. See, it's a principle of God. Now, you do what you want to do as a good steward. 
but I'm going to do it my way because I know that my way has produced. Amen? Number four, gifts from people you would normally do something good for. Okay, so these are people you know. So, uh, you know, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of life, for whom there is no shadow of turning. Right? James 1.17. So these are gifts that come from family, friends, jobs. They may come from inheritances, or they may come from businesses. So this may be a birthday card that has $100 in it. That's favor. I expect that when people put money in birthday cards for me, they're giving me more than they give other people. That's just the favor of God. I just expect it. Now, it's up to you to be obedient. And I'm not soliciting anything here, but it's up for you to be obedient. Amen? We've always asked you to listen to the Holy Spirit. But there, I have vendors. Here's an example. I have vendors. Many of you are in business who are in here, and you know you have vendors, and you know a lot of times they give you perks. You know, but there's many times where I'm like, well, you know, I think this year I'd like to go to this event, and it's several hundred dollars. I get a call from a vendor. I got a call from uh, a law firm one time. Hey, are you interested in the Phoenix Open? I say, well, not really. Well, how would you like a couple tickets to the Phoenix Open? I said, oh, why not? How about a parking pass? Why not? How about tickets to the VIP suite? Well, why not? See, those are gifts. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. Well, pastor, that doesn't ever happen to me. You keep talking like that, and it won't. But it happens to me all the time. I had tickets to Barrett-Jackson. I got tickets to sporting events. People calling me up. It's the favor of God. It's upon my life. Wow. But I've also learned when the favor of God comes upon me that I've learned to sow off the things that God brings in my life. You mean you sow off something? Oh, yeah, somebody gives me tickets. Oh, why not? You can at least give a first fruits offering. Amen? I mean, it's new, that's new produce. Amen. Gifts. Number five, redemptions and forgivenesses. This is the forgiveness of debt. Deuteronomy 15.1, Luke 4.19. This is the year of Jubilee. This is good stuff. This is the forgiveness of debt. How many lack forgiveness of debt? Amen? You know, our government did that for us last year. I have several businesses, and for each of my businesses, I was able to file this thing called a PPP, a Payroll Protection Program. At first, I wasn't going to do it. And then I, I sought counsel. And they said, you know, they're going to spend all this money whether you do it or not, and this will keep your employees paid, and if you have a slow bump, this will help get it through. So we filled out all the paperwork, and we went through this thing. And you know what? The government gave us letters that said your loans have been forgiven. And we kept our pay employees. Not only did we keep our employees paid last year, my company was able to hire more people last year. I like forgiveness of debt. But now, see, you can operate this in your life to benefit other people. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Willis? Remember Different Strokes? I love that show. That was so funny. Gary Coleman. Um, but you can affect this in your life. I had a business relationship uh, with somebody. We weren't partners, but we had a business agreement. 
and they weren't going where I wanted to go. They were happy where we were, and I wanted to go someplace else. I wanted, I wanted to go to some new promised land. And so I said, hey, look, you know, I, I'm going to take, you know, my toys and go home. You know, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go experience life outside of, of this. And, uh, and we'd always said if anything happened, we'd be able to do that. Well, this person decided, since I was taking my toys and going home, that they weren't going to honor our agreement. They were going to treat me like they treated everybody else who was in this, even though I was paying the rent on the building and I was doing, you know, other things. And so I have uh, uh, several lawyer friends, but, um, you know, this lawyer friend, in fact, is I think you guys actually have talked to Johnny before. And so I went to Johnny and I said, hey, look, here's the... Here's the situation, and he goes, man, this is going to be the easiest case that I've ever, ever won. He said, this will be really easy. Prayer is dangerous. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me that the relationship was worth more than the money and that it would be better to walk away for, from $10,000 and keep the relationship versus seek what was right. Now, what did that do in their life? That's a witness into somebody's life. That is redemption or forgiveness of something that they owed. See, this is something that you can make work in somebody else's life. Well, pastor, I couldn't afford to let $10,000 go. I can tell you at the time, I really couldn't afford it according to my checkbook either. But you want to know something? After I walked away from that, my business exploded. My real estate business exploded. And it replenished that like in no time flat. Why? Because I was obedient to God. So if you think you can or you can't, you're right. And you, you choose what you want to experience in your life. Amen? Number six, restoration of something owed to you. Joel 2.25, God said, I will restore that which was taken. This is something that you were deprived from, something that, that you should have had, and somebody restores it to you. It's an investment, and you should have had something, and it gets restored to you. Here's an example. Um, I got a couple examples in this one. Well, it's getting late, but these are good examples. Just a couple weeks ago, I go to the mailbox. You could probably throw this one and check some. I go to the mailbox, but the money wasn't in the mail, but I had a letter in the mail. And I open up the letter, and this certain institution said, We've been ripping you off for years. And we just did an audit and found out. And we have redeposited all that money back in your account. Praise the Lord. Right? That's restoration. That which was taken is being restored. Now, let me give you another one on how you can affect other people. I made an investment into uh, a minister's vision that he had. And when I made the investment, I told him, I said, look, I'm investing this money in you, not your business. This is an investment in you. And we got updates and on it, and it was supposed to pay these certain returns by certain 
points of time. And it was a fair, I mean, in my opinion, it was a fair amount of money. It was, wasn't hundreds, I'll tell you that. You know, it was a fair amount of money. And then finally, we got to notice, you know, that, hey, the, the, the project, it didn't get traction. There wasn't going to be any, any return. And all of the investment had been lost. And then it said, went on to say that this minister has committed to not only paying everybody back who invested in it, but he's going to do it with interest. So I got a call. The reason I got a call is because they were sending out this thing. They said, just docu-sign this thing, and you know, we'll send you your money back. Well, I just kept deleting the thing. They'd send it to me. Why? Because I hadn't thought two wits about the money once I invested. I didn't invest it in the company. I didn't put it in Intel expecting Intel to pay me back. I invested it in the minister. Far as I was concerned, it was seed into his vision. So I get a call on the phone. Hey, we need you to sign this. I said, I'm not signing it. When I gave the money, I told, I told so-and-so, I, this is, I'm investing in you. I said, if someday he ever decides that he wants to pay me back, he can, but there is nothing owed. See, that's restoration. It's coming back to me, but I've released it. Well, pastor, I couldn't do that because I need every penny to live on. Well, that's why you're in the situation you're in. I choose to do it. Whether I can afford to do some of these things or not, I choose to do them. Because by watering others, I water myself. Amen? That's one way we can affect other people. Lack of expectation generally blinds believers from seeing or experiencing the benefits of favor. Jesus said, only believe, and all things are possible. When the woman with the issue of blood touched him, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Mark 10, 28 through 30, we're getting ready to close. It says, then Peter began to say to Jesus, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, hey, man, we went all in. We invested everything we had. And Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left their houses, their brothers, their sisters, their fathers, their mothers, their wife, their children, their lands, for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime. Now, are you still alive? Sometimes Sunday morning is tough to tell, you know, but you're still alive. This is talking about you. You shall receive now in this lifetime Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution. The age will come in eternal life. You will get it back in this lifetime, if you'll believe. Have an expectation. Every morning, every day, that this gospel is working for you. It, it, it's news that's too good to be humanly possible. Therefore, I expect a supernatural experience today. I'm expecting these things to come upon me. Jesus said it, expect it. Expect the favor of God to surround you like a shield. Psalms 30 and 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. That there is truly good news. Too good to be humanly possible. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Father, I thank you for this gospel message. I thank you, Lord, for your favor 
upon our lives. Father, I want to tell everybody that will hear and will listen that your promises are beyond human expectation. That your favor will literally hunt them down, surround them like a shield. And I thank you for it, that it's an operation in each and every life that is here today. And those who are watching, I thank you that your favor is expounding and exploding in their life. To your glory, to your honor, in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.